0: what's happening good people can you believe it season four of goal camp (laughs) incredible thank you so much for your support and we're going to do what we always do focus on setting goals but more importantly becoming the person and becoming the people we need to be to achieve our goals there's no sense in drawing out this introduction let's get after it i'm derek lot your camp director and this is goal camp I'm going to throw
1: out Margie's brand. Margie's! Margie's is an certified, Black-owned brand. They make grilling, marinades, sauces, salad dressings. They've got a papaya, mango salad dressing that is like to die for because you can use it on your salad or to, or to marinate your chicken.
0: Yeah. That's it,
1: that's it. Kali Power Pizza. Really? Um, P-Bank certified woman-owned. Yeah, she's really gotten into a lot of things other than just pizza.
0: You're listening to my guest, Kate Weaver, and me discuss small, minority, women-owned, veteran-owned, LGBTQ-owned businesses that you should set a goal to start supporting as an option. Helping small businesses helps us all. Kate Weaver has been a supplier diversity practitioner for the past 20 years. Kate's advocacy stretches beyond her 20-year supplier diversity career path as she shops and advocates for diverse owned brands in her personal life as well. Join me with this amazing conversation in progress and our guest, Kate Weaver.
1: You know, All you have to do is hear me talk for just a little bit and you'll pick up on my Southern accent from the South. I'm Kate Weaver. I've been a supplier diversity practitioner for 20 years. For listeners, people who do not know, is the very thoughtful, intentional business practice of utilizing diverse owned suppliers all throughout a company's supply chain. And when we say diverse owned, we mean women owned, minority owned, veteran owned, LGBT owned, and disabled owned. I started out really on the advocacy side, working for nonprofit organizations that advocated for the diverse owned supplier. Then, when I started to get really introduced to corporations, who were actively involved with these nonprofits. And I would have conversations with them, and they were, there were people that were embedded inside these large Fortune 500 companies. That was their job to actively look for diverse owned businesses with which to partner. I thought, oh, there's a whole industry for this. There's actually people who are out there, they're almost like brokers, they're almost like agents recruiters. So then that's when I crossed over to corporate supplier diversity, left the advocacy side, went over to corporate America, really thought I could make more of a difference that way. Instead of being the rah-rah cheerleader from the outside, I thought, oh, I'll be the rah-rah cheerleader from the inside. No one told me that I had romanticized it and that it was going to be so much more difficult. Somewhere within those first maybe five to six years being on my supplier diversity journey is when something clicked in my head. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm being a hypocrite. I'm sitting here preaching to my corporate stakeholders, my internal colleagues, I'm preaching for them to use diverse owned suppliers and i'm not doing it myself i'm not using diverse owned suppliers in my own life where i go where i spend my money the restaurants i go to the things i buy so i think that's and I, i'm sure you'll we'll get into this later but if i chart my career that's where things changed for me. And I became really personally involved with it instead of just professionally. And I think once you marry your personal and your professional pursuits together, I'm hoping that's where the magic happens. I have stayed mainly on the CPG and retail side of supplier diversity for the past 10 some odd years with food brands and and beverage brands and really everything that a consumer buys. That's where I get really excited about it. And it's easy for that to bleed into my personal life because-
0: you know, we're all consumers. What you said about the hypocrisy, I don't know if you remember Maggie Anderson. Yep. Maggie Anderson really hit me between the eyes. I was sitting there with everything that I was eating, wearing, and consuming. None of it was from a diverse owned supplier, period. I want you to talk about a very special experiment you did for a year to try to get rid of that hypocrisy.
1: Maggie Anderson is the exact book that I was reading. And I think you either gave it to me or you told me about it. And we should put a plug in for it now. It's called Our Black Year. I remember reading it on a plane. I remember I got through chapter two and I was like, (laughs) got through chapter four and I was like, chapter five. I mean, I am bawling because it touched me in a way that I thought, First of all, I'm a big hypocrite. And secondly, I can't believe this woman had the tenacity to do this. The long story of it is that she realized that she needed to be supporting black owned businesses and her black community. So she pledged herself to do it. So when I got home, I told my husband about it and I said, I think I should do something like this. I need to do something like this. And he goes, we'll do it. And I said, well, she'll think I'm copying her. And he goes, Well, just reach out to her. And I did. And she was so, so gracious. I said, here's the thing. I read your book. I'm so inspired. I'd like to do it because I myself would like to challenge myself to see if I can just do my women-owned businesses. Can I commit myself to only buying, supporting, and utilizing women-owned businesses for, I don't know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days a year. I don't know. And I'm saying this in an email to her. It's like, I just don't know, like, would you be okay with this? I don't want you to think I'm copying. She responds instantly. She's like, my dear, that is the exact point of the book that i want people to get inspired and know that they could do this themselves so Yes, Derek. I started out on my journey that I was only going to do, uh, in my mind, I thought, I'll I'll see if I can do it for 30 days. And the more I started telling people about it, that I was going to start it on like January 1st of 2016. I think that was when I did it, the year 2016. Yeah, yeah. I was telling people in 2015 that I was going to do it. More people kept on egging me on, sending me leads saying, oh, you could use this. You could do, here's a deodorant company you could use. Here's this, here's a dishwashing detergent. I was like, my mind was being blown really quickly. I decided before I even went live, I'm like, I'm going to do a year. I'm in, I'm in, I can do this for a year and it's going to be a little bit rocky, but I want to do it. I want to see if I can do it. That's basically what it came down to. I launched my intentional Kate project. That's what I called it. January 1 of 2016. I changed everything. I changed everything from my pharmacist to my bank, to my insurance company, to my feminine products, to my food, to absolutely everything. And I did a video, a vlog, as the kids call it. This is before TikTok, right? 2016, TikTok was not out there. I did videos every Wednesday called Women on Wednesdays, where they had a theme. And that really helped me kind of bucket it saying, I'm going to talk about dental products this week. I'm going to talk about hair products. I'm going to talk about financial services. I'm going to talk about cars. Do you know there's actually quite a few women-owned car dealerships in the U.S. and car parts and car accessories? Very exciting. Once you start researching, it's, it's very fun. I was really transparent, too. I tried to hold myself accountable and say at the end of the month, how much I was actually able to divert out of my purchases to women-owned businesses and how much I couldn't. Like I could never, my utilities were always paid to you know the city. My rent was always paid to my landlord, which was not a woman. My car payment, gasoline, and my cell phone bill continued to be something that I could never really cross off the list. But I did find a woman-owned gas station in like Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And I called this woman. And once I finally, finally convinced her to talk to me, and told her what I was trying to do and said, you know, I, I want to buy gas cards. She has Shell gas station, I think Shell. I said, I'll send you money. You, you send me this Shell gasoline gift cards and I'll spend them here at my Shell gas station in my town. She's with her Oklahoma accent. She's like, well, that's nice, honey. I appreciate what you're doing, but you know, that's not going to help me at all. And I go, it's not. I said, you won't get the commissions for, she's like, the way our gas card system works in our franchisee systems, the gas station that you redeem the gas with, that's the one who gets the money. I said, do you not even make like 16 cents or like something? She's like, nope. She goes, actually, I'm going to spend money because I'm going to spend a, put a stamp on it of my own dime to send you the cards. Anyway, I had a great year. I look back on that year. There was lots of funny stories and I can share some of them, which you might enjoy. There was lots of things that were maddening. I remember wanting to go so much to go see. It might've been the very first Mandalorian movie. I don't know. There was some big Star Wars franchise movie or no, it was the one with Ray. whatever. It was the very first one that was coming out in that series. And I wanted to see it and I couldn't find a woman on movie theater. Now there was a movie theater that had a CEO that was a woman. But I was really insistent. I really wanted to stay true. I didn't want six months of my project to just go by the wayside just because I wanted to see a movie. So I really wanted to stay true to it. And it became a personal challenge. Lots of fun discoveries. Lots of products that I discovered that I never ever, ever would have discovered at the end of the year. I was glad it was over. It was a little bit expensive sometimes ordering stuff that I couldn't find at my normal grocery store, but I want to step back. There's so much that people are actually doing that can go towards their goal bucket, whatever it is. One of my first steps is I took an inventory. I took an inventory of everything that was in my, I was living in a loft at the time. Everything that was in every single loft, cabinet, drawer, pantry, and I just kind of had this big yellow legal pad and I researched everything already. And guess what? There were a lot of items that were woman-owned that I didn't even know that were woman-owned. So, but once I researched them, I'm like, huh, that's very interesting. I did not know that was a woman-owned company. So I kind of starred them, moved them to my list of things that I would continue to use during my year. This dental floss brand was woman-owned. I looked into them, bought my toothpaste from there, and my mouthwash from them, too. Check, 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 check.
0: What was your mindset?
1: I had my yellow legal pad. I still have it in a box downstairs entitled The Woman-Owned Project because I kept everything
0: (laughs) memorialized
1: for that experience. This yellow legal pad. I had everything that was in my current house that I could find. But then I did another page, and it was, what do I need to survive for a year? and it was almost like you're planning on going to the Sahara Desert, and you're going to be marooned for a year on an island. What do you need? I needed eyeliner, but did I really need an eyelash curler? I was pretty sure I could find a woman-owned eyeliner brand, but I didn't know if I could find a, a woman-owned company that made those eyelash curlers. I could find a hair dryer, a woman-owned dryer, which I did, but what about all the other hair accessory styling tools? This sounds really superficial and like But I made a list of what were my non-negotiables, what are the things that I had to take on the camping trip that I was going to need for a year. So I made my list of what I thought I was going to have to buy for the year, and I really tried to hit the big buckets first. I thought, okay, my insurance company, my cell phone bill, which I never was able to find a woman-owned self-service provider. I'm fortunate that the first obstacle I ran into probably wasn't until the mid and it might have been the movie. Maybe it was something else, but it was something where I remember when it popped up and I kind of went, I simply told myself, well, I've come too far. I can't back out now. I've already put it out there. I've told people in all my videos and everything, I'm intentional, Kate, and I'm doing this for a year. I had too much pride and Hoover hubris to go back. So I think there's something there though, right? Derek is... Verbalize and make your goal very public so it's not just to you. Don't write it down in your diary. Tell your friends and your family and your neighbors, hey, I'm working towards this goal to run a 5K or whatever, whatever it is. Just make it known because the more public it's known, the more you can't back out on it. Also, things that were setbacks, I really didn't look at them as setbacks. I looked at them as challenges. I am, and Derek, you remember this about me, I'm a Diet Coke fiend. Diet Coke in my bloodstream. From probably seventh grade on, I have been a Diet Coke fan and consumer. And when I first told some person that I was going to do this woman-owned experiment, they're like, oh, Diet Coke's not a woman-owned company. What are you going to do about that? And I thought, oh, is this whole experiment screwed from the beginning? I can't live for a year without Diet Coke. Well, it didn't take me too long. I found a, it was a 7-Eleven or a Shell. I'm not really sure. It was a gas station that it was at the end of my street in Florida where I lived. And this wonderful Indian woman owned it. I went in and I kind of told her, and I said, "Do these 12 packs of Diet Coke that you have over here in a stack, I was like, do you, do you keep them year round? And she was like, oh yes, it's, a, it's, it's one of my best selling items. And I said, I'm going to buy a lot of it from you, a lot. And she was like, Okay, very well. Please come in as much as you would like. Little did she know, she'd be seeing me three times a week for a full year. But I mean, I helped grow her business. And also on the clothing and shoe angle, which I think Maggie Anderson mentioned in her book as well, there's going to be stuff that came up during the year. I was going to be invited to a wedding. I was going to be invited to something. And I'm like, I don't have a pair of shoes for this. I don't have that perfect little thing. I found some great woman-owned consignment stores and I found tons of cute outfits that were like name brand that would have been $200 on those shelves that I got for like $30 and $40. And I was supporting a woman owned business. I think that a lot of times with goals, people get super, super prescriptive and think, oh, if it's not this, then I should just scrap the whole project because I'm not staying this true. I feel like I stayed really, really, really true to my goal, but I also gave myself the latitude to interpret the woman-owned project how I wanted. As long as I was supporting a woman-owned business in some capacity, I was still doing my part. I was able to live on the island and still have Diet Coke.
0: I want to get down to brass tacks. Where do I find each product?
1: My husband cannot stand when I go to a grocery store nowadays. And let me explain why. We went on a vacation and I saw a certain grocery store that's not in our, in where I live. And I said, Ooh, I want to pop in there. And he goes, no. And I go, why? And he goes, I know you, you'll be in there for over an hour. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you'll be on your phone. You'll be holding up products and you'll be researching them. He's like, you do that everywhere we go. That is my biggest tip, Derek. It's conscious consumerism. It's just knowledge know who owns anything that you buy. Know the company that's producing it. I always like to say, know the brand behind the brand. If you just do your research, so much information is going to come to you and it makes you an educated consumer. I would say, again, start with that inventory of what you have and start with the inventory of the things that are already right in front of you. You don't have to go around the world searching for things. Start with what's right in front of you and research it. And it's going to open your eyes a lot. Then if you are truly committed, then you start doing your just own investigative journalism.
0: Make a little investment in one, understanding what you're buying today, because you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yes. And then two, use Google, use SEO, spend a little time and you'll be surprised what kind of information you'll find. Now this month is, and behind you, you have some products.
1: LGBT-owned products and brands are just now starting to really show themselves. One of the OG ones that's been around for a while that has really uh, talked about their, their product and services, Peanut Butter and Company. They're an NGLCC-certified LGBT-owned company. They have this, you'd like this, Derek. Look, it's called White Chocolaty Wonderful Peanut Butter. I know you, I can just see you with a spoonful of it at your desk. I think you would like that. GTs, you know kombucha. Everyone knows this kombucha. GT's Dave, his name is Dave. He's got a big kombucha line. I mean, I could go on and on and I don't know if people want to hear all about this, but there's a cold brew coffee. I think that BuzzFeed is actually a really good source. There's tons of young little writers that are always writing good BuzzFeed articles about the hottest LGBT owned brands, the hottest minority owned brands. I will use this as a quick break though to tell you about how nerdy I am. I do think there is a difference between founded and owned and BuzzFeed often mentions founded, LGBT founded and led brands. That doesn't mean they're owned by the LGBT owner. And I'm a stickler. I'm a nerd. I'm a stickler. I think that's up to your podcast listeners how strict they want to be. What about you, Derek? Does that make a difference to you? You know me. (laughs) You just want to know if it tastes good.
0: (laughs) What does it taste like? Then I'll tell you how I feel. <laughs> what are some of the challenges that those businesses face?
1: I have a great story for you. So it was during my women-owned project. I uh, any given week I had to go to like five or six different grocery stores to get my list of what I was going to buy. Cause no one grocery store had everything. And I needed butter. I Googled woman owned butter. I found this one brand, which by the way, they're not woman owned anymore. They've been acquired. So I won't, so I won't tell you their name, but anyway, and I researched one, on their website and it said they were available in Ferdinanda beach. Do you remember Ferdinanda beach? That was a, yeah. that was a long way from where I lived. So I got in my car, hightailed it out there. I, March with my little hand basket back to the back. And as I'm approaching the dairy case, my eyes instantly go in on this really gorgeous packaging. And it's kind of at the bottom of the butter case that there was a big pink, hot pink tag hanging out from it. And it said 50% off. And I go, whoo, because it was an expensive butter. It was one of those craft grass fed organic butters. It was going to be like $9 for a stick of butter. And this was back in the day. And I was committed. I was going to buy some butter. And then I thought, Ooh, so I quickly whip out my phone and I'm Googling, can you freeze butter? Because I'm going to buy them out. I'm going to buy every stick of butter and that's going to last me for my year. And then I don't have to come back to Fernandina beach. And you should see me. I'm I'm texting, can you free? And then I, I stop texting and I go, Oh, And I look at this young guy next to me who is, he works for the company and he's rotating the yogurts. He's taking the old yogurts out and putting the new yogurts in. And I kind of look at him and I look back at the butter because I knew what the pink tag meant. I knew what 50% off meant. And I go, excuse me, sir, sir. I said, well, why is this butter 50% off? And without even look, he didn't even look up at me. He just continues his job. And he goes, oh yeah, it's been discontinued. And I put my purse down and my little hand cart down and I go, why has it been discontinued? And he looks over at me because, you know, I'm obviously a crazy person having a meltdown in the middle of the dairy case. And he goes, because no one was buying it. And I go, I see, I see. So I take my nine, my nine units of butter and I go up to the cash register and I buy them. I get in my car, probably like cry half the way home. You ask what challenges diverse owned suppliers have. And obviously I'm only talking about retail and grocery and food and beverage brands. I think it's a larger issue, but I don't know exactly why that brand of butter wasn't being purchased. There's a lot of reasons. Could it have been because it's $9? Could it have been because it was at the bottom of the shelf and it wasn't on the top? Maybe it could have been because they didn't get premier placement on the shelf. Maybe it's because they didn't get ads run in the circular like Land Lakes and all the other big butter brands, but why didn't they get? Because they're not a national player. So I do think that national players and big, large companies are the ones that all of us as consumers, we look at, we gravitate to because they're shoved in front of our eyes. The Coca-Colas, the Diet Cokes of the world. That's what I know. Coke. I don't even know a woman-owned diet soda. I don't want to know a woman-owned diet soda because I'm so addicted to Diet Coke. But anyway, I think there is a little bit of it's hard for diverse owned brands, CPG or not, just to claw their way up to be noticed on the equal footing as the national players. Obviously, there's an issue with access to capital that's being talked about in the news a lot. And I know that there's a lot of programs for diverse owned suppliers to actually get loans when some banks won't give it to them. They're they're really trying to do that. But um, I also think there's, there's this little tiny thing out there that people think that the diverse owned suppliers, that they can't do it, that they don't give them a chance. They don't even give them a chance to get that meeting, get that contract, get on the shelf. They, they just aren't given the same opportunities.
0: I agree with you. When you see those 50% off, those clearance tags on small, diverse-owned uh, products, you know what it means. And it means even more than that. It may mean the loss of a home because right. they've mortgaged their homes, they've mortgaged their future because they believe in what they're doing. It definitely is something that I think about when I'm out and about, Tell people how they can find out more about products in your neck of the woods and how people can make a difference.
1: Well, they can always follow me on my Instagram account at IntentionalKate. I do mainly keep it to women-owned brands because that was the purpose of Intentional Kate years and years ago. But on my LinkedIn account, I go throughout the heritage months. I just wrapped up May doing 20 something days of Asian, either Asian Pacific or Asian Indian owned products or services. I'm doing LGBT owned products this month. The main thing that people should do is if they want to start making small little changes, have everyone do their personal assessment and actually say, okay, Tide, laundry detergent, I'm not going to change it. Diet Coke, I'm not going to change it. <laughs> However, I'd be okay at a new pasta sauce. I'd look for a new cookie. Just chart down, write like five things in your life that you would be open to experiencing a new brand or service, maybe you're looking for a new dentist. Like seriously, your insurance is the easiest thing you can do. Like I was a State Farm customer. All I did was go to the State Farm website and put in my zip code and went up and down and looked at all the agents. Found myself a couple women. Asked them for a couple quotes. Got a good quote. Boom! That was so easy. I didn't even have to do any paperwork. They just transferred my account. Like I didn't even have to do anything. But I help, I'm helping that woman-owned business grow. So anyway, so that that's my that's my tidbit I could give people is think to themselves, what are just a few areas where I could make a difference? So then you don't have to uproot your whole life like I did and go live in the desert for a year. You can just make small little changes. Back to that butter example, I couldn't help but think if she would have been called out as a woman-owned butter brand at the shelf, would she be, have been discontinued? You know, would more people have bought her or she would have called it out on her website? I don't know if I, I just, I thought to myself, I wonder what the person who's managing that account, what they're going to do when they see these sales at the end of the month, it's been 50% off, but all of a sudden the sales went up. Will it make them think, oh, maybe I should keep them on the shelf. They obviously are good butter brand. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But I think you're hitting on something about our purchasing power and that Tide just not sending you a check. We vote with our dollars. And when we are making a purchase, we're not necessarily helping that business owner, we are. But we're signaling to the person that's on the other side of the corporation that's deciding what to offer to the customers. We're like telling that person, you need to continue to bring this to us. Keep these brands up. So our purchasing decisions impact the metrics on the back end. And that's why when people say, well, I can't, I won't really make a difference. Your one purchase does make a difference. We'll save this for another podcast, but the woman owned toilet paper that I found, I couldn't buy just one. This was way pre pandemic, right? This is 2016. So I couldn't buy just one unit of it. I couldn't even buy like one case of it. I had to buy a pallet. So it got delivered to my place in Florida with a truck backing down the street boop, 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 with a big old jet and I mean it was a pallet I had to get a mini storage to store that um toilet paper so <laughs> that, that's probably the funniest story I have that's from my commitment
0: degree. and if you're going to reach your goals and one of those goals should be supporting small business owners you're going to have to be committed thanks Kate so much this has been Gold Camp and we'll talk to you really soon thanks so much thank you bye-bye Thanks for listening to Goal Camp. Visit our website at DerekCLott.com forward slash Goal Camp. Find and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Derek And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share with a friend. Achieving your goals is not something you can do alone. Find a partner that can keep you accountable. Until next time, this is Derek Lott signing off. I'm going to throw out Margie's brand.
1: Margie's. Margie's is an MSTC certified black owned brand. They make grilling, marinades, sauces, salad dressings. They've got a papaya, mango salad dressing that is mm-hmm. like to die for. Cause you can use it on your salad or to, or to marinate your chicken.
0: That's yeah. It.
1: That's it. Power pizza.
0: Really?
1: We um, bank certified woman owned. Yeah. She's really gotten into a lot of things other than just pizza. Now she has, breaded chicken tenders that are with cauliflower, you know, like breading. Uh, She has sweet potato toasts where they're very thinly sliced sweet potatoes that you put in the toaster and then you bring them out and you could put your avocados or your eggs or your butter on them. Yeah, so she's she's fun. Ah,
0: Wow, cauliflower. That's okay. I see them in stores. So, Mm -hmm. okay, I got it. I'm going to throw out there Lotus Scoops.
1: Lotus Scoops. How's she doing? I mean, the last doing, time I
0: thought. She's doing great. The ice cream is, man, she must have a million flavors. Now, I don't know how she's doing it, but she's still handcrafted um, in that uh, New York, in, in that region uh, there. So, um, amazing ice cream. Some of the most outstanding flavors. And totally unique. Uh, yes, Lotus Scoops.
1: Here's one, though, that this this Shine Water is LGBT-owned. Out of all the waters that I have, all the flavors, this pomegranate grape, oh, my gosh. It's to die for. It tastes like a jolly rancher. And it has zero sugar. It's got vitamin D in it. It might be the thing that helps me lessen my diet coke addiction just a little. Might be a little.
0: So I got to throw out Michelle's uh, cream syrup.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um,
0: She has um, been around for a while. Amazing syrups, and c- several color, uh, flavors. I don't know the flavors off the top of my head, but that one is definitely one to put on the list.
1: Yeah. True Made Foods is a veteran-owned ketchup and condiment company. They have ketchup, mustard, and some barbecue sauces and hot sauces, but it's made with um, with zero to, to very little sugar. They use vegetables uh, to be their sweeteners. And he actually just got picked up by Fenway Park, to be the official condiment supplier of Fenway Park. So now when you get your hot dog and you go to like pump the ketchup, it's true made foods. And that's so great. And it says better known right on the container at Fenway Park when you pump out your ketchup. But you can also find the bottles of in your grocery store.
0: Got to throw out Reggio's pizza for my people in Chicago.
1: I emailed you about him not too long ago. Yeah, that, that's, that's a brand that has some really uh, occult-like following in the Illinois area. That's good. Okay. Let me think. I just ordered um, nine spoons and it's a soup line, which I think is so cute. Nine spoons. It m- must be nine family members. Probably that's what I think, but a bag, a pouch it's in my freezer right now. Cause it does say keep frozen. And then you let it fall and you pour it into a pot and it's got the woman on logo on the back. I just love, we didn't even talk about the woman on logo. I love seeing the woman owned logo on products and I can, sometimes I'll see it at the end of the aisle and I'll like, Oh, I see that woman on logo. It's very distinguished. It's very distinguishable to me.
0: I'm going to go with a different product line. I'm going to say a blended designs <laughs> on by Casey Kelly. She is, uh, they are backpacks that have the children's uh, images on them. So they were made originally because her son came home and said, there are no backpacks with images of kids that look like me. So that's where that was birthed, but now they've branched into so many other products and services and uh, blended designs.
1: Oh, I like that. I like that. Clearly Magic is a air freshener line Uh and they also have some soaps, but clearly Magic is veteran owned. You can if you ever go to the aisle in the grocery store that's got the little things that hang off your your car window that are air fresheners. You know, uh, you, you'll find some clearly magic items.
0: There you go. Well, thank you so much for playing. <laughs> you win. <laughs>